Hello, hello, and welcome to another hometown daily news show. I am Mayor Watt, and I just lost my file. <laughs> this is how the sausage is made. Hey, so uh, today's episode is titled uh, TikTok Goes the Clock. It's season two, episode 82, I believe. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> And uh, today we're going to be talking about uh, TikTok for the first two articles and then Blizzard uh, slash NVIDIA are they're investigating 30 ADTIs or ties, um, depending on <laughs> which school of thought you think. Um, uh, it's killing GPUs, kind of like what happened with uh, other games in the past. Um NASA has a video showing a huge tornado on the sun that is as tall as 14 Earths uh, hurling hot air into space. And at the end of this article, there's somebody that's spewing hot air into space. The FTC is proposing a click to cancel rule. I think it should be expanded to a right to be forgotten rule. Are we finally going to get a modular gaming laptop that sticks? Probably not. Uh, we can talk about that here in a minute. Um, the metaverse just admitted that it's nothing more than, or meta just admitted that metaverse is just VR uh, marketing. And uh, I think it should stay that way and people should stop merging meta and metaverse. Panera Bread wants to use your handprints to uh, identify you. Linus Tech Tips was hacked. Well, their YouTube channel was hacked. Uh, Hyundai Kia has a recall. That's part of our PSA, uh, kind of daily <laughs> PSA. And uh, finally, uh, Lauren Boebert floats adding human babies to the endangered species list. Let's get into today's news. Hello, hello. I am Mayor Watt. That is hometown.com. And right up there is the visualizer for the AI that runs. Well, it keeps the mayor in check. Good evening, hometown citizens. Hey, and it's purple to match the background. So, yeah, we've already selected all of the articles uh, for the day. This is kind of as usual. Sometimes I kind of rant a little bit and for a preamble, but... This is going to be the preamble. Just going to introduce ourselves and then we're going to get into uh, today's articles. I'm on the verge of updating the streaming machine to Windows 11. It's actually staring at me and I wouldn't be surprised if Microsoft takes the initiative and uh, pops Clippy up and says, Hey, I see you want to install Windows 11 let me ruin your life and does it anyway. But before we get into that, no, go ahead. So if the screen goes dark, we know that's what happened. Yeah. So if everything just goes blank and you hear uh, Marwat screaming and not through your speakers, mind you, you'll hear Marwat screaming so loud that it will probably be uh, sounding like it's just outside your window. Anyway, 
let's get into today's news. Uh, the first two articles are about TikTok, and that's because uh, today I watched, um, well, <laughs> the CEO of TikTok uh, defending TikTok's existence in the United States against a congressional hearing. And, um, well, let's just say it's not looking really good. Uh, mainly because there is a direct tie to the CCP, uh, the Chinese Communist Party, um, in which there are certain rules and regulations that any Chinese-owned uh, company, which arguably it is not a Chinese-owned company, it is a subsidiary of a company, um, and three of the five board members on said company are actually American. <laughs> um, but there's a, a, a serious concern about what it's tracking, who it's tracking, the information it's gathering. Demographics, psychographics, uh, geolocation. There's some soft data about it still tracking geolocation. Um, concerns about how often uh, people are using it, uh, the psychological impact of it. Um, the security of it within uh, government and military and uh, even families associated with government, military, uh, etc. Um, let's just say that if you if you work in those circles where you're paid to be paranoid, um, it pays well. And I would I I have a hard time accepting. Um, that telemetry data from TikTok is not being thrown over to um, uh, China mainland. Um, now, people rebuff my statement with, well, it's no different than um, Facebook or LinkedIn or wherever else, Microsoft, et cetera, et cetera, except, except <laughs> that there isn't anything stopping us from doing a keyword search in Google or Bing or whatever and pulling up everything, horrendous stuff, great stuff, whatever stuff. Because for the most part, the federal government and um, wingnut idealists that uh, want to stop the transfer of knowledge from one place to another aren't tamping down the freedom of expression, the ability to actually be seen via a search engine. Um, they aren't saying phrases like, well, this is impacting, we are trying to prevent the West from infiltrating the cultural uh, significance of uh, this country or that country. There are people, there are certain uh, wingnut fringes that say that. You know, we're in America, you, you, blah, blah, blah. Um, but for the most part, um, the greater number of people are not sitting there trying to, um, I don't know how to put this, um, create an, uh, a homogenous society. Because we, when we say, when somebody pops up and says, you know, uh, something racist like, um, you know, this country's run by white people or something like that. No, you stuff them back under their rock and you, and society blows back. No way in hell does that phrase get uttered 
um, in polite company, in, in company that is a member of society. No, it might be some cliquish whatever, but um, that isn't what's happening. If you try and do a search and I, you know what? I just, I can't get into this. I'm going to sit here for an hour and rant about this. I just know it. Um, so I, I have to kind of back off, but I'm trying to set the foundation for what, um, the, the CEO Chu, uh, C H E W is his last name, Chu, um, what he went through, um, for, for five hours, um, questioning from level-headed people all the way to the fringe wing nuts, but all of them pretty much had the same ideological bent which was um, American information is being gathered and used and it's harming um, children and it's putting into question the safety and security and integrity of everything from um, adults that work in um, government or are um Possibly we, you know, those they're the, the people that don't quite get categorized because they don't work for, they, they work for no such agency, um, or agencies that can't be named, uh, yet they still use these type of, uh, applications, uh, personally, not on their secure devices. Um, and, uh, so, uh, Chu decides that he's, they had already put into, uh, affect this idea. I'm going to move over to the article, uh, but before I do this, uh, let me throw it into uh, the chat. But for five hours, he kept on saying, hey, you know, um, and this here is um, Xu Zhi Chu. Uh, it's Z, I guess, Z-I Chu. Um, and I might be pronouncing it like uh, a four-month-old um, but so the Biden administration officials acknowledge they do not have the legal authority to ban the popular app without congressional action, according to one person with knowledge of discussions. Um, oh, yeah. So Kat Zakarzewski and Jeff Stein are the authors over at the Washington Post. Um, and so this person Let's just say that when I heard certain people talk, con <laughs> uh, people who were questioning Chu, you could tell the difference between I'm just trying to get my phrasing, messaging, dog whistle out, and those who were actually looking for an honest response from the CEO of TikTok. Um, and it was very, very frustrating to watch this. So, um, and the idea was that they wanted acknowledgement that there are people out there, um, working for TikTok that are tied directly to the CCP and that the CCP has unfettered access essentially to the data, um, but Chu and TikTok here in the United States, they want to create a data center in Texas um, and store all of that information, uh, American information within the United States. And this is no different than China saying we're going to store all Chinese data within China. 
Um, and if you have a, if you are using a product or I should say selling a product, let's say TikTok in China, you have to have a data center in China, just like Bing is in China and Google is in China and Apple is in China. Um, there's no real difference to me. The, the problem really remains though. The only reason why anybody might be saying, whoa, 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 we don't really trust China is because China is sitting there saying, we don't want any of your cultural influence leaking onto our constituents and harming the uh, messaging of harmony and peace. Cough, cough, Tiananmen Square, cough, cough. So you're not allowed to do what you do in the United States here. You don't, don't message us. Except that everybody in China knows, except for the fringe that aren't part of the technological uh, underpinnings of using the internet, right? Like there are people that are out on the outside of the cities um, that may not embrace all of this, but uh, the greater number of the population is pretty much capable of going, well, we know about it, but we can't do anything lest we become victims of it too. Well, Chu is just sitting there saying, we don't provide any information to China. But he didn't denounce China. He didn't say he's against the CCP. Nobody's going to say that, right? Not if you are. <laughs> You're Especially not. not on internationally televised TV. You won't even do it behind closed doors because some dipshit will leak it out anyway. And, and really... Uh, like I say, you know, abuses happen in the dark. So I, I'm, I want more transparency. I, I want more things open, uh, honest conversation. Um, what I don't like is all of this stuff that's happening behind closed doors. So what ended up happening was this person, Chu was just hammered again and again and again. Um, implying that there are direct ties between TikTok and China um, and that this stuff doesn't happen in China because China doesn't allow it, but they are gathering the information, the telemetry from TikTok again and again and again. In fact, this is the one that I remember. John Thune, a Republican from South Dakota, said uh, in a statement that Chu's testimony did not assuage concerns that the company could be required to do the bidding of Chinese intelligence services. And that is because there is apparently um, mandates from China that if you're owned by a Chinese corporation, um, you have to, on demand, provide whatever they ask. I mean, I don't suppose that's surprising, but that's one thing within a country. It's another when another country's users are subject to that. Right. And I'm not excusing it for a Chinese citizen. I just mean that's within the borders of that country. Yeah, so... At one point, he says that he's from Singapore, and um, but I, I don't know if there's something in here that says that he's. See, in his testimony, Chu distanced himself from TikTok uh, and TikTok from China. 
He talked about his business school education in the United States, where he met his wife, who's from Virginia. He repeatedly reiterated that TikTok is headquartered in Singapore and the United States, um, and that he is actually from Singapore. And then uh, multiple lawmakers pressed Chu on China's role in developing and storing the application source code. Um, and people are really worried about this algorithm, algorithm, algorithm. And I know from when it happened, Facebook did the same data manipulation that's taking place in uh, TikTok algorithm, um, which is there's an emotional contagion built around the information that is provided to people and it can amplify negative or positive emotions. But there are things that are happening on TikTok where people are being encouraged to take to self-harm and other things. Um, and uh, it's amplified to a greater extent because of how much time people spend on TikTok. Um, and so I, I'm more inclined to say to people, uh, citizens of Ometown, uh, teach your kids what control is, teach your kids what moderation is, and everything in little bits is fine. <coughs> but when you are spending hours, which is what people do on TikTok, just letting it massage your brain, it's the equivalent of what uh, parents in yesteryear used to call the mind massage machine of television. And before that, it was radio. But we adapt, we learn, and we, we grow as people and say, we won't do this. Some people will, others will fall victim to it. But I don't think that it should be entirely incumbent upon government to say, this is bad. Society should say this is bad, if it is bad. Government, on the other hand, should be looking at this going, this should be banned because it is a security risk and shouldn't be allowed. Um, and it's being utilized to um, harm people within its ecosystem. But I'm again, more inclined to believe that TikTok is more for profit and it's sucking money out of one ecosystem, which is really pissed off that it's pulling money out of that ecosystem because it's making billions of dollars. So what happens? when they shut it down. Well, we're going to get to that here in a second. There's a lot more on this article. So I'm going to urge everybody uh, who listens to this, follow the show note and go over to uh, this article at the Washington post. Um, I won't go line by line through this whole thing, but let's just say that it was almost unanimous that people are saying we're ready to ban TikTok, um, And if it gets kicked off of the store, there's going to be a lot of people very, very pissed off about it. Okay. But you mean the users or the creators or others? Uh, yes. <laughs> Cause there's going to be wingnuts that are saying that this is oppressive. There's going to be the creators who are saying I make a living here and only on here because you can spend four years. This is my, uh, anecdotal research. I, I don't have like hard and fast rule uh, evidence to suggest otherwise. Um, but this is my observation that I've been on uh, Twitch for a decade and I have seen people typically, it, it has typically taken about four years for somebody to end up being able to sustain themselves um, at any 
significant level. Okay. And uh, people like Co-Carnage, who started at the very beginning um, of uh, Twitch, um, just recently had something really bad happen to one of their pets. And they had a discussion with several people and then eventually onto the stream about the fact that for 30 years, he could never have possibly imagined being able to spend that amount of money so that he could save a pet. Um, but the pet is, is recovering. Um, but the vet basically came out of the, uh, the office saying, uh, it's, it's going to take a, an exorbitant amount of money. And they were like, do what you have to do. And, and so kudos, right. But it took him all, uh, something like seven years to get to that level. Um, I think it was somewhere around there, uh, easily four years before making it big. And he actually brought an audience with him. He brought his, um, group from other gaming, uh, when he was, um, a leader of, uh, organizations. Um, anyway, and then there are others, right? TikTok. you can go viral instantly because your voice is amplified to a billion people. Well, hundreds of millions of people. Um, all it has to do is get a little traction and the algorithm amplifies it, amplifies it, amplifies it. Um, but when this goes down, this is what's going to happen. Let's go on to the next article. I can see the lawsuits now. You know, and I'm, I'm sorry that I spent, well, I'm not sorry, but I'm sorry that I spent this amount of time on that one article, but this is pretty much the biggest thing that's hitting the internet for now. Um, so this next article is in the continuity report. TikTok US ban would be a crushing blow to creators while benefiting Snapchat, YouTube, Instagram. That's according to experts. So the odds of the US banning TikTok are higher after the app CEO testified before House Committee. It did not matter. I mean, it really it sounds didn't. like their minds were made up. I did not see the hearing, but based on what you're describing. Yeah. Um, according to some analysts during the hearing, American politicians, both Republicans and Democrats expressed frustration over what they saw as evasive and unconvincing answers about China's influence over TikTok and the communist regime ability to get obtain information and control the organization. Um, I'm paraphrasing because the aggregator chops it off, but let's go over to variety and uh, give Todd Spangler the credit um, over at Variety.com for this article. And um, let's see if I can get down here. I don't know what all it says because I I haven't really been reading about it uh, since this morning. Anyway, um, ByteDance is the company that owns TikTok. And isn't that a Chinese company? Very Not much Singapore? so. No, ByteDance is a Chinese company, um, and its CEO is directly tied to the CCP. Um, although uh, Chu uh, says that's not true, um, but all of the intelligence reports apparently point to ByteDance CEO as being tied to the CCP. Um, so, and. Well, I won't even get into this, but anyway, uh, it says we don't think anything said by Mr. Chu alleviated concerns about sensitive TikTok data eventually reaching the Chinese government, according to Zeno. 
Um, and uh, Zeno is what? I forgot. He's an analyst. Yes, he is an analyst. For CFRA um, research, right? Yes. Yeah. Angelo Zeno. There you go. Um, so it says, although a ban is bipartisan support, we still only... Uh, we still place only about a 35 to 40% chance that'll happen um, with 2024 being an election year and politicians needing to tread carefully to ban a platform that is extremely popular with voters aged 18 to 45. Look at that. That's basically the first 50% of existence. Um, and anything above 45. Yeah. They're not engaging in TikTok. It's frenetic. It's, they don't even Constant. know how to get to TikTok after, after that age, probably. It's the equivalent <laughs> of a, a 12 flashing on a VHS player, and people are going, what the hell is a VHS player? I wish I had props. I'd show you. Yeah. Let's just say that anything above 45, are, uh, there's a question mark about them being engaged on TikTok. Um, I know about it, but... <laughs> I'm I'm closer to the 18 range um, <laughs> for all intents. <laughs> um, I love this stuff. I dig everything about tech um, and online is just amazing. Um, the ability to reach anywhere around the world um, is just amazing. Um, interact with anybody, differing views, et cetera, right? So TikTok has this ability to provide these little snippets up to 10 minutes of video at a time. Um, but when it's being used to gather intelligence, um, it's disconcerting. When it's used to harm society, um, it's disconcerting. But then you can look on Facebook, you can look on LinkedIn, you can look on um, uh, Twitter and Twitch and uh, pretty much every streaming platform everywhere. And there's going to be some bad apple spoiling the bunch. So you notify the correct authority within that enterprise and they take it down and suddenly the, the bunch is good again. Um, and that's what everybody should be doing with TikTok, but that's not what society wants. What society wants is to watch the, the dumpster fire because there there's either I'm really curious about it or, um, at least my life isn't like that. Right. That's why people like watching reality TV. It could be worse. I could be like that. And then the other side of it is, oh, I wish I could be like that. There's almost always that polarity. Um, so this article basically talks about the fact that others are going to benefit from it. Snapchat and, and uh, uh, Facebook and YouTube and uh, pretty much everything that has a social component um, is going to benefit from the closure of TikTok. Let me rephrase that. The banning of TikTok in the United States. Um, Snap, though, has pivoted away from um, doing like hardware. It used to have hardware and other things trying to empower the users to take, take snaps. And now it's basically um, TikTok light. It doesn't have the amplification that uh, TikTok has. And I'm really curious about TikTok. How did TikTok get so 
wildly popular as opposed to Snap. Because I logged into Snap recently um, because I got a notice that uh, somebody tried to log into my Snap account. And so I logged in going, there's one person out there on the on the planet that is using my email address as if they own that email address. And I even contacted that person's uh, sister-in-law or mother-in-law. Oh, it was their mother-in-law. And I said, tell your son-in-law that that isn't his account. Um, and I uh, haven't heard back, but then I saw somebody try and log into my uh, Snap account. So I logged in. And you can just sit there and and just watch little snap videos float by. Da da da. Same thing on YouTube, same thing on Instagram, same thing everywhere. What is the competitive advantage here? Why are they so strongly positioned? If it's the algorithm, just what is that algorithm doing? It's stimulating our brain, something exciting and new. Sometimes it's harmful. So okay. Almost an entire half of the show dedicated to two articles, so I better move on. Um, the The next article, and I'll be brief with the rest of these uh, for the most part if I can. Um, this next article is in the Warcrafters channel. Blizzard and NVIDIA are investigating reports about Diablo 4 um, and that it's killing RTX 3080 Ti or Ti GPUs. Um, and... Uh, I had I had already learned during breakfast, um, in fact, this morning, that although there may be a problem, it's a problem more than likely with uh, a particular manufacturing process on a particular brand's cards, um, and only when the frame rate is unlocked so it can go well beyond its well even the human needs of a frames per second rate we typically can't go past 60 but sometimes you can unlock a game so that it goes up to hundreds um, and it's just not necessary although i am the one that will also argue that yes it is because i give a particular example of why fps matters um, okay. So, and I'll go through this really brief. Jacob Ridley over at pcgamer.com put the article together. It says there's something there. There's also something you can do right now to possibly help protect your graphics card from a similar fate. I'm not a fan of this because it limits the ability for this card to fail, but it also prevents a manufacturing flaw from being fully rectified. So if every card has this flaw in the manufacturing process, it basically it delaminates, it unwelds itself. Um, and because it's the heat builds sentient. up, I'm sorry. It said it's become sentient. <laughs> it can't take it anymore. Um, well, anyway, it says uh, the Diablo 4 team are investigating reports that RTX 3080 Ti graphics cards are crashing while or dying while um, playing the game in closed beta. I actually limited the frames per second on my instance of Diablo 4 when I was playing it. Not because I was cognizant of a possible problem, but I didn't want to push my card beyond um, what would normally be needed for me. Um, but we'll, we'll get into that. So... They basically tell you to do a couple of things, do a new install, 
Um, I'm going to say you should limit the number of frames per second that your card renders in this game. You don't need anything beyond 60, just limit it to 60. Unless you're a professional gamer, um, and then you're probably gaming with a 4090 or 4080. Um, so the problem doesn't apparently uh, persist in the 40 series cards because it's a di different manufacturing process. Um, so a lot of people are apparently saying that it's gigabyte uh, RTX 30. I don't know of any other uh, 3080 titanium cards. They're not GTX. They're all, thir uh, they're all RTX. But anyway, several people are saying that it's the gigabyte cards. Um, this article basically says what I have read in other places, including uh, Reddit and elsewhere. But um, and they even say what I did. I did this before I did it before it was cool. Um, I actually lowered my frame rate simply because I wanted to um, normalize the, the game what everybody else should be doing using 60 frames max. That's all that the normal human can really um, discern. But I'll say a caveat to that. We only perceive 60 frames a second, but if something is presenting at 120 frames per second, you get twice as many opportunities to see a particular change of frame so picture it like a flip book and if you understand that concept which is a whole bunch of pages and you turn the page and there's an animation that moves through the pages if you only have 60 frames versus 120 frames or 60 pages versus 120 pages the animation is more staccato in the 60 frames because there are half the number of motion steps. So if you as a human only see 60 and you flip 60 pages and you miss any of those frames because you blink, you've now seen a massive jump across from one page to another page, but with 120, there's greater fidelity. So if you blink, you don't see a massive jump. That's how I describe it to people who wonder about 120 um, hertz refresh rate. Well, yeah, sure. It's There's 120 frames, but you're only going to perceive somewhere less than 60. So lock it down to 60. You're, you're really not even paying that much attention to it. So you're seeing somewhere around 40. Um, at any rate, if your screen goes black and, and you've been playing this hardcore during that time frame, you might get a blue screen of death. You might as well pack it up because you're not going to recover. You can try, but go back to onboard graphics, pull your video card out, um, and, uh, get a new one, contact the vendor, um, hope that your warranty is still active. Uh, or reach out if it's a gigabyte RTX 3080, you definitely want to have a conversation with gigabyte, um, and, um, have them replace it. You can try other things, but if you're playing the game, when it happens, good luck. Um, there was another game that was similar. I'm not sure if it's mentioned in here and I can't remember the actual name of the game anymore. Um, where the exact same thing happened and it was the exact same problem. Um, 
Oh, it was New World. There we go. They actually mentioned it in this article too. So New World did the same thing. It basically caused cards to uh, overheat and then um, the same result. So there you go, folks. Okay, so did you want to add anything to this? Oh, I just remember we had another article that we featured that talked about the potential of overheating depending on what each game did. Oh, right. Yeah, it's it's a it's a real problem um and with the higher end cards like the 40 series cards are now so hot that you need to get uh, dramatically more powerful power supply. I'm I'm waiting for the time where you need two different power supplies and two different outlets plugging in because you've got the graphics card drawing so much power that the motherboard has to have its own unique separate power supply. And uh, like I've got a 1200 watt power supply. Um, if I put a 4090 in it and I have everything else attached to it, I'm probably brushing up pretty close. <laughs> um, anyway, let's, let's keep going. Uh, NASA video shows a giant churling. I like that word churling, churning, um, tornado on the, uh, sun as tall as 14 earths hurling plasma into space. That's how I ended up saying churling, churning and hurling. Um, NASA's Solar Dynamics Observatory captured a video of a tornado churning on the sun. The fiery formation of boiling solar plasma grew uh, to an estimated height of 14 Earths. It began forming on March 14th and burst into a cloud of magnetized gas on March 18th. Okay, so I did not know that the Earth was a unit of measure. I think that's pretty cool. There's another, uh, I mean, astronomical unit is the, uh, is, uh, the distance from earth to the sun, right? Oh, I thought you were going toward the bus because we keep seeing the bus <laughs> being used <laughs> for measurement. <laughs> it's been in a bunch of different contexts. Right? Let me make <laughs> sure astronomical unit, else. I think, right? It's the mean distance from the center of the earth to the center of the sun. Okay. I'm right. Um, and, and then there's, um, the distance that, uh, light can travel and that's a light year. And then there's parsec, which is like a unit of time, not distance. Anyway, uh, Grace, Eliza Goodwin and Marianne Guano and, or Guano. And um, Morgan McFall Johnson put this article together. And apparently there's the video. It's a little snippet. Um, it's over at businessinsider.com. And yeah, the last article that... 14 Earths high. Yeah. <laughs> That's not a little blip. It's pretty neat. And all of that is magnetic forces that are ripping it apart. You can actually see some of it getting torn apart. I love this stuff. This is amazing. It makes me remember, like I said in another episode, the guy that said, you know, astrophotography is always going to be there. But if I would have had all of the equipment that I was ready to get way back then, you know, 30 years ago, it could be me that's taking this video from, you know, the, the deck right here in Ohmtown. It would be amazing. Um, 
because that isn't going to be there tomorrow, right? Well, I mean, it could be. It actually spun up over a period of a week. So pretty amazing stuff. Um, and all part of uh, NASA's Solar Dynamics Observatory. What is this pink goop? Oh, I know. Anyway, um, yeah, it's a uh, macarons. So it says this 14 Earth's tall swirling column of plasma was raining moon-sized gobs of incandescent material on the sun. Astrophotographer Andrew McCarthy tweeted on Saturday. McCarthy wrote that he spent three hours with a solar telescope pointed at the sun, and he captured a a jaw-dropping video of what the tornado looked like. That would be be the person with the uh, video. Did I not just say exactly that? Yes. (laughs) I have not read this article. It's this is me in another life. The multiverse is real. But not the metaverse. Uh, The metaverse is real too. It's just not owned by meta. That company can go the way of TikTok. Um, Anyway, um, it's the latest in a series of mind-boggling but mostly harmless events on the sun as our star ramps up to the peak of its 11-year solar cycle. Uh, I guess it's that time of the solar cycle. That's right, and I guess we'll have to wait a while to see it again. Better get your astrophotography equipment ready for the next round. Oh, you don't want to. Don't motivate marwatt to go do that a long solar prominence erupting off the surface taken by the solar dynamic observatory on august 31st 2012 so 10 years ago well the last time this was at its solar height it did that man that thing is just that's amazing and this isn't this isn't an artist rendition that's an actual photograph using the observatory. Wow. Pretty cool stuff. Anyway, um, yeah, it says here, uh, unlike our own tornadoes, solar tornadoes may not actually spin. I, It's not really spinning. It's actually magnetic fields that are kind of swirling and ripping it all apart and shooting plasma up within the flux, um, which is magnetic lines of force. Um, pretty amazing stuff uh, when you see it. You can actually buy magnetic paper. Uh, it's actually a film, and you can set it down on a magnet, and you can see the lines of force coming off of um, it. It's embodied because of the particles that are embedded on this um, plastic film. Um, not that there are specifically little lines of force. Um, but that's what it's called flux pretty cool stuff anyway um there's so much more over at this article uh, i'm about a third or two-thirds of the way uh, towards the bottom of it when you get to see this kind of stuff the sun is getting more active um the um, the black areas are actually cooler areas compared to the rest um, they stop down the lens so that you can see the fidelity the lines of Uh, plasma that are being kind of twisted and contorted by the magnetic field that's why you see black spots 
uh, or sunspots, as it were. Okay, so let's move on to the next article. Uh, this one is in the Warcrafters channel. We're about halfway through with the show. Maybe I can accelerate and stop vamping. Um, this one's in Warcrafters. Are we finally going to get a modular gaming laptop that sticks? It says here in uh, July 2022, their hardware uh, big boss Dave James checked out the modular user upgradable framework laptop. I loved the idea of it, but I know from my experience that uh, there is modularity is uh, almost impossible. Um, nothing more than the accessories are going to be able to be modular um, for a number of reasons. But anyway, uh, it says, and declared framework shows what net notebooks could be like and how, and now I desperately want to make a gaming laptop after attending a framework event in San Francisco today. They've got some very good news for Dave. The moment has arrived. And so let's just jump over to this article. Wes Fenlon is the author of this article over at PC Gamer. And it says, framework has spent the last two years proving modular laptops are doable. Now they're coming for gaming. But I'm going to throw my caveat in here. Um, that may, if you read the article, it may come true um, in what they write. But my observation with trying to make a modular anything from a computer to a laptop to monitors to whatever is it isn't possible. Why? Because electricity needs to flow within a certain distance, within a certain resistance and a certain amount of power being supplied into it. And so you can't run uh, a lot of power through the same cable that you can only put five volts through. Okay. You, if you want to run 110 volts, then you have to have wiring that is capable of 110 volts. If you want to do hundred or 220 volts, um, or 205, which is kind of standard in, in uh, server uh, space, you have to have that gauge of wire. And you can't put 100 through it because it won't actually go that distance. It won't be at 110 volts when it reaches the other destination, the other end of the cable. Um, and if you try and put 205 or, or more than what is permitted for a lower rated cable, it'll just melt it. So the same thing happens at the nanometer level. So if you want to do something that's beyond the physics of its architecture, it's not going to happen. So modularity is based on something being plugged into the right spot for the right purpose. They, I think this is the one that says um, that they can put an, a, a discrete video card in it. Yeah. Framework announced the Framework 16 on Thursday, bringing its modular design to a larger system built to house dedicated GPUs. It's a 16-inch body with an expansion-based system that will allow you to extend it out the back of the laptop past the display to house larger graphics cards like the 40 series. Um there are some that actually have liquid cooling capabilities. Um, not this one, but um, because they're bigger cards, they need some type of an IO port, right? So they're going to have to have a proprietary connector on the back. 
So doesn't that make that difficult to be portable, but maybe if they're trying to do this for gaming, people aren't really moving the laptop around anyway. Correct. Transportable would be the better word for it. And there are solutions that already exist called eGPUs or external GPUs that plug in either via, well, nowadays it's USB-C um, um, or some other connector um, like um, Firewire or DisplayPort or something like that. Um, not DisplayPort. What's the other one? I can't remember what it's called now. Anyway, um, you can use an external GPU. Um, it would have its own separate case, its own separate power, everything except for you connecting your HDMI cable to it and then um, out to another monitor or whatever. Um, but it's going to be a bigger, chunkier, modular laptop. And that's what this 16-inch one um, apparently is aspiring to do. Um, one second, sorry. Yeah, Thunderbolt, correct. So the AI sent me a message saying Thunderbolt. Yeah, that's the one that I forgot. Um, and it's because it has uh, bi-directional uh, information transfer, so it can keep in sync with the computer. So at any rate, the, the way that this laptop works is you take off the back, you take off the top, you can plug in modules, um, swap things out. It, it, it's, it's pretty neat. Uh, I don't think that they go into great detail here. No, they don't. Um, but if you're going to, uh, okay. So a, a little disclosure here, I designed a modular PC. Um, the intent of which was to make it so that you could stack, and that's why it's called stacks, um, a module anywhere on the top of the device, and you basically build a tower. And when you click it into place, it automatically notifies the mainboard module that you have a new module attached, and it will automatically align it for either... Um, power or video or storage or uh, um, memory or whatever it's going, whatever the module was. Um, but the physics won't allow that. Why? Because it needs, if it's a laptop, it's going to have a fixed uh, electronic profile. Only so much power is being consumed at max and minimum. You add too much to it and it doesn't have enough power to keep everything operating at its peak performance and you might suffer a brownout where it shuts down something and disconnects it. Um, it it's not an easy task. And so everything that these people are actually building is going to be fixed for a very specific purpose and allow for X number of modules. How they're going to drive a 4090 on something that might be built for a 30 series, it's impossible. So it would have to be built for the 40 series cards. So this thing is going to be really expensive, um, both pre and post purchasing that video card. Um, its production costs are going to be high. So 
anyway, we'll see when it actually happens and uh, go from there. We'll probably end up talking about it because I love the idea of a modular device. Uh, what I really want um, is nothing more than a CPU to drive the software and a GPU um, to drive the graphics and a VR headset so that all I'm doing is interacting in three-dimensional space in VR and hello cyberpunk. I'm, I'm ready for it. Um, all the rest of this is, is, um, you know, it's, it's portability and ease in public spaces because people are going to look at you weird if you have a VR headset on, um, at least until the rest of society catches up to where I want to be cyberpunk. Did you have any questions, comments? No, I was just thinking you need the Virtuix um, treadmill oh, right. to go along with that. <laughs> Very true. Guess what I've ordered? Just kidding. I have not ordered that. Okay, so uh, the next ar article is in the Daily News Show. FTC proposes click-to-cancel rule that'll make it easier and cheaper to cancel subscriptions and memberships. I think this should be extended to the right to be forgotten um, so that... If you break up with a company, they should not allow your data to be transferred anymore. Um, do not use my information. Um, as I've said in other streams, uh, you know, sometimes you just break up from a relationship and you take your box of stuff and you go home. And sometimes maybe you throw it out onto the lawn um, or it gets thrown out onto the lawn, whatever. Whatever the case, sometimes the breakup is not amicable. Um, and in this case, with a business, it's the obsessive girlfriend thing. You know, it's a meme where the obsessively, you know, there's a, it's basically uh, a girl who's sitting there staring like obsessively at you. It turned into a meme like a decade ago. Um, at any rate, that's basically the business. It's just obsessing about you. They want all of your data. Uh, it's, I refer to businesses as little sister, whereas government is big brother. Little sister is always hovering around you and wants to hang out and, and uh, wants to ask you questions like why. And when you say it's because I want to go outside, they say why. And that's basically the business trying to gather intelligence about you. Well, I want to be able to cancel. And when I cancel, I want my data gone. You know, if I decide to strike up the relationship again, then good for you. Because you're getting money, you're getting current telemetry. But if I delete my account, I want my data gone. Not in cold storage, not anywhere. I want it gone. If data retention laws require you to store it for seven years because a crime might have been committed using your service, then put it on ice. But don't use my data once I click, click to cancel. When I say I break up, I'm gone. You know, leave me the hell alone. Don't sell my data. Don't use it as an ever aging tranche of profit. You know, allow me to just click to cancel. So FTC um, proposes a click to cancel rule that'll make it easier and cheaper. Apparently uh, Jordan Hart over at business insider, put this article together. Um, the proposal comes as the FTC continues to review its 1973 negative option rule at, the fact that it's from 1973. That says everything we need to know. It doesn't matter what the rule is. <laughs> yep. Uh, the idea here is pretty simple. FTC Chair Lena Khan said, 
uh, on a Wednesday call per a CNN report, companies should not be able to manipulate consumers into paying for subscriptions that they don't want. Um, I had one today that uh, apparently tried to bill me a couple of times and uh, suddenly it said that it couldn't do it. It wasn't allowed. And uh, I went and looked and I'm not even sure how it was billing me. Uh, because it wasn't live where it was billing from. It wasn't even an option. And so uh, it didn't even have a click to cancel option. I, I had to delete my uh, connection to that business on their website. It was weird. Um, at any rate, I think that it should be easier to cancel. I should be able to go anywhere and and, and cancel my account without well, having to. What... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say too, with things that like have a website or something, it shouldn't have such a lag period. I mean, that's such a game where, you know, you have to cancel like three months out, but if you don't do it at 2.37 PM on a Tuesday, like you get billed for the next cycle or whatever before it cancels. Oh yeah. And it's amazing because they'll bill you instantly, but then you have to jump through these flaming hoops to cancel. And I don't want to have to deal with a human being that's trying to keep me. Well, do it all via the website. I'll log in. Think about things like cable companies. Oh my gosh. If you ever try to cancel that, you'll be on the phone for two weeks with them. Oh yeah. Um, Okay. Let's, Let's play some catch up here. This next article is in the Late Night Geeks channel. Metaverse is just VR, admits Meta as it lobbies against arbitrary network fee. Um, it says Meta, the self-styled Metaverse company, <clears throat> formerly known as Facebook, has taken on a novel role de-hyping the virtual world uh, technology its founder bet the farm on just a few short years ago. No, it hasn't announced another pivot. Rather, it's forced to dial down the multicolored metaverse hype as it lobbies against a proposal pushed by European mobile network operators who want uh, regional lawmakers to force major content providers, i.e. tech giants like Meta, to pay them a fee for carrying their data. A double-dip scenario they've suggested is required to fund network infrastructure upgrades that they claim are needed to make the metaverse happen. If you can sit there and say that upgrades are required because your service is too demanding on a network, um, what's, what's wrong with your network that it can't handle that bandwidth? Uh, I'm kind of shocked. Um, that said, if they can pinpoint it to a, service provider that is demanding that much bandwidth, then yeah, I think that something needs to be discussed publicly. (laughs) Um, But anyway, the telcos complaints about their quote relative poverty versus tech giants is obviously controversial, but does appear to have uh, bent ears in Brussels in February, EU lawmakers uh, announced an exploratory consultation on the future of network funding and shortly after that, the bloc's internal market commissioner, Terry Breton, or Brayton, I don't know, um, took a turn on a stage at an annual telco industry bash, sounding pretty sympathetic to their cause. How is that not a conflict? Huh. 
should That's probably run for question. U.S. politics. So, um, yeah, the revolving door spins fast. Um, the metaverse is just VR, admits Meta. Uh, Natasha Lomas is the author, and it's not even uh, uh, full VR. It's half-body VR, uh, although simulated in marketing to have physics and reality. And this is all stupid. I, I want hyper-realistic VR. I guess you have to start somewhere, but cartoony whatever. Um, just isn't for me. I'm not the uh, first or last, and and I'm sure a lot of people really enjoy this. Um, but anyway, so there there's a lot more over at the article, but I'm not going to go through the whole thing. Um, I I think that this is nothing more than a way to kind of tamp down on the evolution of. Um, I guess like things like telepresence, higher end technology that is more demanding on networks. But if what we do is um, <clears throat> never demand more, then you will never get more. And so the consumer should be the ones that are dictating if this network needs to be increased in its technology um, and, and not somebody pushing back saying, no, you don't need it. I've been around, I've been in organizations, consulted with organizations where I've heard that phrase, you don't need it from people who don't have the full perspective, regardless of how many times it's been explained. They don't understand it. They don't buy into it. They don't get it. Um, and while this person may, they're still bending their ear the other way. Why? Why don't they want to evolve their network? Future-proof it and do it now because when the fit really does hit the shan, it'll be more expensive. It'll be more laborious. There's going to be more to do. And so it'll be even more, more expensive and complex. Want to keep going? Let's keep going. Sure. Unless you want to add more. Yeah. I just don't really get the metaverse. I'm just... I don't know. I guess I'm behind <laughs> the times. <laughs> For an AI, yeah, this is yeah. kind of depressing. <laughs> um, well, I mean, it's... I mean, uh, I understand what it is. I just don't really get the appeal of it. Yeah. Well, you can be whatever you want at any time. You know, if I want to take on the avatar of a crab and play the ukulele then i can sit there and sit at this virtual fire on that little log like a lump and and uh, be a crab avatar playing a guitar you can't do that in the real world and you know and sometimes you just want to be a crab sitting around a bonfire but i mean couldn't you do some of that without the metaverse i don't mean in real life but i mean like on a stream or something like yeah. that yeah well, some people don't want to be seen. They want to be an avatar. Yeah. Like, I'm just a hyper-realistic avatar. I don't truly exist. Nobody in hometown does. We're all bots. So this next article is over in the Daily News Show, Panera Bread. Uh, to start using handprints to greet you by name and suggest menu items, uh, 
To that, I answer with kiss my shiny metal ass. You're not, you're not getting anything that is that secure. Uh, naturally people say, well, you put your hands all over all kinds of stuff. Yeah. But not a scanner that records my <laughs> biometric data. Yeah. I'm not ready for Panera to have my biometric data. Like my doctor's office doesn't even have my biometric data in some ways, you know? Yeah. Not like that. No. Panera Bread will allow customers to link their handprints to loyalty accounts. The company announced the, the technology comes courtesy of Amazon, which has been in hot water over hand scanning. Panera will use handprints to greet customers by name and suggest menu items based on preferences. How about use a menu? Well, exactly. And am I the <laughs> only person who thinks having increased touch on surfaces is a bad thing right now. Yeah, I mean, the pandemic is over, right? Just wash your hands. It's the flu. Two years is new again, folks. Aiden Pollard over at businessinsider.com put the article together. Um, I don't know if they're going to have a scanner here. Um, I want to see it. Yeah, they don't show it. Amazon's hand scanning technology at the company's Amazon Go stores allows customers to enter shop and exit without checking out with a cashier. What, I have to scan to leave? Kiss my ass. Um, Go, customer, uh, Go customers have the option of linking their palm print to their Amazon accounts or using a credit card or app. I'll use the app. Um, but hell no, am I going to allow you to scan my entire palm for crying out loud? What is wrong with you? I mean, what could go wrong with that? Next, it's going to be, well, you know, it's two-factor authentication, so we're going to do a body cavity search. I'm going to move on to the next article. Uh, the next article is Linus Tech t <sighs> the Linus Tech Tips YouTube hack is the latest in a line of crypto scam breaches. Um, the internet is all a buzz. I don't know if he's going to actually have a stream here on Twitch tonight. Um, it could be happening right now. I just don't know. Um, popular YouTube channel, Linus Tech Tips, um, or better known as LTT. Uh, well, not better known. Also known as LTT has been hacked this morning with the channel's 15.3 million subscribers seeing videos for crypto scams instead of tech hardware reviews. And it's the latest breach in a series of high profile uh, YouTube accounts being hacked with scammers regularly gaining access to prominent accounts to rename them and live stream crypto scam videos. This is an ongoing thing. Um, there have been several accounts, but this is the one that kind of caught my eye. Um, LTT getting um, its YouTube channel ultimately deleted. Um, and apparently it's on its way back, but I haven't seen any videos return. Uh, they uh, utilize float plane um, for a lot of their communications. Um, it says a streaming service spun out of the Linus Media Group, uh, which is really fascinating. Um, I think he invested in Floatplane. Um, Linus did. Linus Sebastian. Anyway, um, he's a, a Canadian YouTuber that has built uh, quite a following of 15.3 million subscribers. He's one of the early adopters um, of um, YouTube. I mean, he's like MKBHD. 
Um, this is just the latest in a series of breaches that have occurred over the past year, generally designed to promote live streams that push viewers to amateur looking crypto sites through links or QR codes. Um, several of these have taken place, but, um, really what is apparently happening is, um, the equivalent of a, of a phishing attack. Um, something is sent to somebody it's exploiting some weakness in the browser where a cookie is uh, kept alive so that um, somebody can have remote access to the um, uh, YouTube account. So, and I haven't looked at any CV for this. I haven't looked at any of the um, cybersecurity discussion regarding this. Um, really you just have to click with care you can't sit there and just receive something and mash the attachment and go hell yeah you know let's do it you know yolo um you have to know that it's coming from somebody you have to anticipate that it's coming and if you don't know why somebody that you normally get emails from would send you an attachment send them a text and say did you really just send me you know, a pdf don't just mash open on a pdf for crying out loud folks is this easy to and it's not easy you have actually have to have some skill to pull this off um but you know with great power comes great responsibility and people are making money because they're sociopaths they they don't they don't care about the damage they're causing they're trying to get profit and that little bump of profit is good enough for them plus they also get some uh feather in their cap as to hey look what i just pulled off but in most countries uh, western countries in particular they're going to get caught um they they might be somewhere else that pulled this off but eventually they're going to get caught particularly us canada all of europe <laughs> um <laughs> uh yeah, so you're, you're telling me that there's essentially like a a bounty or something to take down yeah. popular sites yeah. or to access popular sites. Yeah, there's there's a whole black market um, associated with trying to take down name brand sites. Um, and uh, it, it's both reputational and fiscal. And if you do it, this. I hate to say right. If you do it right, you can profit from it. Um, but like I, I've, I've told countless people, you're going to get caught. <laughs> it's not if, it's when. Some people might get away from it in time. But even if it's a notorious, if, it, if you did something like this and you told anybody you did it, you will eventually get caught. It may not be immediately. It may be five years. And you're going to, I'm sure you're going to enjoy the ride getting to that point where you're caught. But the best kept secret is the one that you don't tell anybody ever, which means you're not going to make any money off of it. You're not going to benefit from it socially. You're not going to benefit from it professionally. And it's very, it's an anomaly when people benefit from committing a crime. Um, and I've seen it happen. Um, I've talked with people who are on the uh, various circuits 
post their criminal activity where they've pivoted to helping the government. Um, and that's what kept their ass out of jail. And so you might be a consultant, but nobody trusts you anymore. You might be making money, but nobody trusts you anymore. <laughs> and very few people respect you. You're nothing more than a tool at this point in more ways than one. Um, and I've actually, well, at any rate, that's kind of how it works. You're going to get caught and either you're going to go to jail or you're going to flip. Nobody's ever going to trust you. And, uh, you're going to send other people to jail either way. Somebody's going to jail. So the resolution of this is that it's going to eventually come back. I don't know when, um, but they're going to have to bump up their security. They had two factor authentication on, but that actually this particular type of attack, uh, hijacks a browser. Um, so it bypasses two factor authentication by keeping the cookie live so that you can gain access to it. It's essentially the same as, uh, just walking up and, and this isn't the exact equivalent because this is done without what I'm describing, but it's the equivalent of walking up and pulling the plug on your computer out and then plugging it back in. And when it boots back up, you mash open your browser and the cookies timeout still exists. So when the browser opens back up and you go back to YouTube, it automatically logs you in because the cookie is still alive. Um, and that's the equivalent of what's going on is the cookie still persists. So people still have access, but the breach goes by way of grabbing that cookie um, and keeping the access alive. Um, I'd have to look into more of this before I could give some other advice as to how to stop this. Um, but the most prominent thing that you could do would be don't click on random shit that shows up in your mailbox, plain and simple. Um, let's move on. The next article is over in uh, the daily news show and it's our PSA for today. Guess what? Your Kia might catch on fire. Um, Hyundai and Kia are telling owners of over 571,000 SUVs and minivans in the U S to park them outdoors because the tow hitch harnesses can catch fire while they're parked or being driven. I keep thinking that this is old stuff, but. Well, I thought it was because we've seen other recalls, but then it looked like it was a new recall. Um, yep. Apparently it's uh, affecting 2022, 2021, 2023, pretty much everything. <clears throat> so go talk to your uh, dealership for all of your cars just go and look. You'll have to, uh, I don't know if, and eh, no, they don't actually link to anything. Why do they not link to anything? Yeah, that'd be helpful <clears throat> if they link to a list or dealership locations or something. Something. It says all have Hyundai or Kia tow hitch harnesses that came as original equipment or were installed by dealers. So, okay. Pretty much everything. Got it. Yeah, and last year they did the recall for a similar problem. All right. Anyway, this is a, this link is over at uh, abcnews.go.com by the Associated Press. There's never an author. And finally, uh, another thing that's blowing hot plasma out into the universe, Lauren Boebert floats adding human babies to the endangered species list um, because 
she is championing a cause that is basically um, trying to stop abortion from taking place. Um, and in a perfect world, yeah, it, it wouldn't take place. But it does. Yeah, we'd have to do a lot of things societally for that to occur. So um, Lauren Boebert, um, who, um, isn't this the person that's going to be a grandmother? Yeah. It is. Uh, Nick Mordawanek is the author of this article over at Newsweek.com. A grandmother, and I think she's how old? 38 something like 34 that? i think Th 34 yeah um so anyway uh, <laughs> I, I education is key so if you want to stop uh, abortion what you do is you educate and you provide um uh planned parenthood <laughs> that's why they call it planned parenthood uh, because it provides um, tools, education, etc., to plan your parenthood. <laughs> um, you, you don't have accidents when you are educated and you take steps necessary to protect yourself. Sometimes there are things that go well beyond planning. Um, because there are sometimes really bad people out there. And uh, yeah, I didn't want to end with this, but I was trying to be a little more uh, joking about it, but it's a serious thing. And uh, the reason why they are talking about this, or she is talking about this is because she, everything is this. Uh, when you're a hammer, all you see are nails. This is the one trick pony kind of thing that this person is doing. Um, and her underage kid, I think, right. It's underage kid is having a kid with an underage person. Right. Is that right? That sounds about right. Um, okay. So I'll have to look into that a little more. Um, cause the last time I heard the name in this, in this situation, I recall it being underage, but anyway, um, not age of majority, not over 18, but not necessarily whatever. Anyway. Um, so they brought a bunch of signage into an environmental protection agency endangered species act hearing, um, with a subcommittee on water, wildlife and fisheries and threw in that maybe babies should be added to the endangered species list. And, uh, I'm going to offer up an addendum. I think that uh, adults that are capable of critical thinking and <laughs> um, not Bobert. Anyway, um, I think critically thinking adults in politics should be added to the critically endangered species list to try and save us from wing nuts. You think maybe that's possible? 
Um, <laughs> I don't know. There's a lot of wing nuttery out there. <laughs> oh, here. It's in the article. The 36-year-old mother of four recently praised teen mothers following an announcement that her son Tyler is 17 and is an expectant father, but doesn't mention how old the mother is. I think the mother is underage, too. Yeah, this is all this is all ideological um, based around their brand identity. They don't they, they, this isn't about critical thinking. This isn't about planning. This isn't about this is all about uh, the will of uh, a supernatural entity making this beautiful thing happen and blah, blah, blah. Um, it's it's shocking. It's absolutely shocking. While literally championing uh, underage pregnancy and so this is definitely good for society. That's all I'll say. I'm just, I'm astonished. I'm flabbergasted. I'm so deep into this, uh, this episode, uh, that I'm just going to have to call it quits. I thought that I would be able to make a little bit more laughing matter out of this. Um, but it's a serious topic and I, I tried to, float this a little bit more uh humorously but fell on my face anyway uh don't be like bobert you know i wish we could have seen the expressions of the science committee <laughs> the statement was made because i can imagine the reactions yeah well uh that's the end of the show but uh, like all uh, episodes. I go back to the front page, mash that front welcome to hometown uh, icon, and guess what you see? Ticketmaster faces class action lawsuit over Drake ticket prices. Maybe we'll talk about that tomorrow. Um, this is all, this is getting interesting. Uh, at what point is Ticketmaster going to get taken down? Like uh, TikTok, they're coming for our teas. <laughs> Yep, they seem to be taking a lot of heat, and I understand why. <laughs> yep. Well, it's never-ending, folks. Go over to hometown.com, become a citizen, just mash that sign up, answer a couple of questions. You can delete your own account at a later date, whenever you want, actually. Um, and if that's not functioning, better let me know. Um, that's it. Okay, I'm Audi. You want to say bye to everybody? Good night, hometown citizens. Be sure to like and follow, and we'll see you tomorrow. Yeah, we're over on YouTube, and the podcast exists. We're here on Twitch every day, 9 p.m. Eastern. Okay, good night. Bye-bye.